Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. I want to try to share with you a message this morning entitled, When the Answer is No. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll begin verse 7. When the answer is no, 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And concerning this thing, I pleaded with Yahweh three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Messiah may rest upon me. And therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity and reproaches and needs and persecution and in distress for Messiah's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this time that we have, for this Sabbath day that you've given, that we can come together and to worship you. And we thank you for this place where you've called us to serve. And I thank you for each one who is here today. And I pray, Father, that during this brief time that you might speak to our hearts today the truth of your word. And I pray that, that we would leave this place being not only hearers of your word, but being doers. And we thank you again. We pray in Yahshua's name. Hallelujah. When the answer is no, a prayer at its most simplest form is just communication with our Heavenly Father. And you might ask, why is it even important? And it's important because communication is absolutely necessary for any relationship that's going to be successful. And certainly there's, that applies to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And the Bible has much to say about prayer. It's probably one of the biggest subjects that you'll find from uh, cover to cover throughout the Bible. Among other things, our Bible says that we're to devote ourselves to prayer. That means it should be a priority for us to devote ourselves. It says that we're to pray without ceasing. That means it should be active and ongoing prayer life that we have. Uh, It says that we're to continue steadfastly in prayer. It says, truly, Yahweh is listening. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. The Bible tells us us that we can bring our cares to him because he cares for us. It tells us that we can enter boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. It tells us that we're to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication to let our requests be made known to Yahweh. Over and over and over, the Bible talks to us about prayer, and we're intended, by the way, to be people who pray. Yahshua, when he was when he was teaching the disciples how to pray, he told them when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. So it is an expectation for us as believers. Prayer is a privilege for us, and it's a privilege that was paid at a very high cost, and it allows us immediate access to our Heavenly Father, who really and truly wants to spend that quality time with us. And Yahweh has chosen prayer as a means 
to move on our behalf, and you see that over and over throughout the Bible, where people have prayed and Yahweh has acted. And I'm thankful for the privilege of prayer, and I'm thankful for answered prayer. And yet I'm reminded, and I certainly have been over the last few months, that concerning prayer, we need to know this. We need to know that the answer is not always what we want or what we expect that it's going to be. Sometimes the answer to our prayer is no. And I know how difficult a subject that must be, but I can tell you this, I can tell you that you always spoken to me about this this year and, and over the last six months. And anyway, I pray that this will be a blessing to you today. Uh, when the answer is no. Uh, so what do we do when the answer is no? Uh, well, several things that I'll tell you today, but the first thing that I want to tell you is this. I want to tell you that we have to be willing to accept from Yahweh with an open hand. We have to be willing to accept from Yahweh with an open hand. Uh, this chapter 12 begins with Paul telling the story, and I believe telling the story of himself who was snatched away, you know, to heaven, perhaps even in the very presence of Yahweh himself. And he, and he said, you know, I could really boast about this thing if I wanted to. He said he was, I was caught up into paradise and I heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Imagine the sight of that. Boy, if that wasn't a mountaintop experience, I don't know if there ever was. And then in the very next verse, he said, and then, there in verse 7, he said, lest I be exalted above measure, lest I think too much of myself, or unless I get too proud, or unless, you know, I think that I'm all of that. He said, there was a thorn in the flesh given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. He said, on the one hand, this great blessing, and yet on the other hand now, this physical infirmity in his body. Uh, can I tell you that we don't have, uh, uh, that, that when it comes to accepting from Yahweh, we have to be willing to accept with, with an open hand those blessings that he wants to give us, and indeed he does. Those mountaintop experiences, listen, I'm just like you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bring it on. But on the other hand, when trouble comes and when when things that don't seem to be a blessing come, when something comes that you don't expect or I don't expect in my life, listen, we don't have the privilege, we don't have the right to close our hand to those things that Yahweh is sending to us in our life. You see, we can indeed have the blessings, and we should, and we can thank Him for Him, but I'm telling you, there's going to be opportunities if you live long enough in your life that what's coming to you doesn't seem like a great blessing. And listen to me, you cannot close your hand to those things. Because we have to believe in our heart that Yahweh's sovereign in our life. Do you believe that this morning? You know, And if He's sovereign, then we have to know and we have to believe in our heart that He knows what's best for us. And sometimes what's best for us is not what we want or what we desire, you see. And on that time, on those days and in those times, you and I must be willing to open our hands and our lives to whatever it is that Yahweh would have in store for us. And by the way, let me say unequivocally that our Heavenly Father is a good Father. 
The giver of all good and perfect things is what James said. He is. He's patient and he's long-suffering and he loves us with an everlasting love, all of those things. He's a good father. But sometimes he allows things in our life that don't seem immediately to be good to us. Does that make sense? Has anybody ever been there before? You know, this it's absolutely the opposite of what you have asked for or absolutely the opposite of what you expect. And yet, that's what he allows in our life. Job, if you go back and read Job, Job had a pretty tough time, didn't he? And in the midst of all the trouble and all the things that were going on in Job's life, his wife comes to him complaining. And this is what Job said to her. He said, shall we accept from, from Yahweh the good and not accept the adversity? Shall we accept the good and not accept the adversity? The adversity, can we open our hands to those blessings and close our hands to those things which seem to be, to, to, to be an adversity in our life? And, you know, and listen, I'm thankful today for the breath and the strength to get out of bed. I'm thankful to be able to come here. I'm thankful that I can speak today. You know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for Yahweh's word. I'm thankful that I can read it. Listen, for all of those blessings, I open my hands and I say, thank you, Yahweh. If you went to bed last night and you weren't hungry, can I tell you that you're better off than half of the people in the world and you should thank him for that. If you have a pair of shoes in your house, you're better than half of the people in the world, and you should thank him for that. That's a blessing from him. But you might know tomorrow you might wake up and there's something that pops up in your life that you didn't expect. Listen, it may not seem like a blessing to you, but it's your obligation to accept that with an open hand. Does that make sense? Paul here says, on the one hand, I had this great experience, and boy, it was so wonderful. And he said, now on the other hand, there's this thorn in the flesh that's given to me. That is life. You know, the Bible says that, that the race is not to the swift and the battle's not to the strong, but time and chance, it says, happens to us all. You know what that means? I'll break it down and I'll tell you in a nutshell what it means. It means that life happens, doesn't it? Stuff happens. On those days when life happens and stuff happens, listen, Yahweh didn't step down off the throne on that day. It didn't surprise him that this happened. It might have surprised you. It might have surprised your spouse. might have surprised your doctors. But it certainly didn't surprise him. He's still sovereign. He's still in control. And we need to know and we need to understand that. Life happens. So sometimes when the answer is no, we need to remind ourselves that we have to be able to, willing to accept from Yahweh with an open hand. When the answer is no, secondly, this I'll say to you, I'll say that we need to pray, but we need to pray specifically. Pray specifically. Look there in verse 8. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with Yahweh three times that it might depart from me. Concerning this thing. Sometimes I think in our prayer life we forget the necessity of, of praying specifically. 
There's nothing wrong with you asking your Heavenly Father for the things that you need or for the things that you want. There's an interesting passage of Scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and this is what it says. It says, And now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, that He hears us. And we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That word ask that's used there is a very interesting Greek word, and it means to be adamant. It means almost to be demanding, but with respect. In particular, in terms to, of um, asking a person of authority. Uh, so it means to ask adamantly, and it means to ask with expectation. Expectation. I think we should pray more. Absolutely I do. But I think we should pray more specifically. Uh, nothing at all wrong with telling our Heavenly Father the things that we want or that we need. Turn with me briefly uh, to Mark chapter 10. Rhonda reminded me of this passage of Scripture this week, and I don't remember exactly, specifically the context that she was talking about. She had heard something on the radio, and I went back and I, and I read this, and I thought how very fitting for us this morning as we talk about praying specifically. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, is the story of Yeshua uh, going down to Jericho, and he meets a, a, a blind beggar there by the name of Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus is there on the street, in verse 47 it says, and when he heard it, it was Yeshua coming, he began to cry out, saying, Yeshua, son of David, have mercy on me, and many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me, and Yeshua stood still, and he commanded him to be called, and then Many called a blind man, saying, Be of good cheer and rise, for he's calling you. And he threw aside his garments, and he rose, and he came to Yeshua. And Yeshua answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Boy, you talk about a blank check. Can you imagine? What do you want for me to do? What, what, is, what is the desire of your heart, Bartimaeus? If there's one thing that you desired above anything else, what would it be? Remember the power that Yeshua had. And he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus could have answered anything. And this is what he said. He said, when he asked, what do you want me to do? He said that I might receive my sight. You know what he did? He asked, and he asked very specifically, didn't he? That I might receive my sight. That was to him, you know, the... the desire of his heart. It was the biggest thing that he could think of that he might receive his sight. And why is it so very important for us to pray specifically? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things that I think at least why it's so important. It's so important because one of the most important qualities of prayer in our life is that it builds a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That is one of the great purposes, building a relationship. And, 
And we need to pray specifically because we should be comfortable in sharing our hearts and our wants and our desires and our needs and our struggles and our failures and all of those things that's so easy sometimes to hide from other people. Listen, we should be confident enough in our relationship with Yahweh that we would be willing to share those things with Him. Does that make sense to anybody? You know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, Yahweh, you know, uh, I pray for my kids in school today. It's easy to do that, but it's harder to, do it, to pray this and say, Yahweh, I pray for little Johnny because he can't read. Or little Sarah who's fighting on the playground or whatever it is. You can pray for your marriage, you know, generically, but you can also pray that Yahweh had move the heart of your husband or move the heart of your wife or that you can pray generically for your job but you can also pray for that promotion that's to come or for a raise that you need and you can pray for a million different things generically but I believe that Yahweh responds to us more positively when we pray specifically does that make sense to anybody except me Listen, quit throwing those generic things out there and be specific in your prayer. Particularly, by the way, when you think the answer is no. You know, if you're praying and Yahweh's silent and nothing's going on, it might be because you're not praying specifically enough. James said, you have not because you ask not, and I believe that with all my heart. And why don't people pray specifically? Well, I don't know about you, but I, I do know about me, and these are some of the things that I know that in my own heart and in my own life that, that might keep me from praying very specifically. Asking Yahweh for those things that really and truly are on my heart. And the first one, and this is one of the biggest ones, is this. Um, sometimes I just don't feel worthy. You ever been there? It's just me, little old me, and you're, you're the most high. We talked about that in our Bible study this morning. And, and he's way up there, and we're way down here, and there's some times that I just don't feel worthy to even approach him and to share with him the concerns of my heart. But that's the very thing that he wants me to do. The second reason, I think, for me, again, is uh, sometimes I just wonder if he's really interested. I wonder if y'all is really interested in the cares of my heart. Listen, that thought goes through my mind sometimes, but then I'm reminded the Bible does say, as I've already quoted to you here this morning, that we can bring our cares to him. Why? Because he cares for us, and he certainly does. And then lastly, sometimes I just don't want to be vulnerable and my wife would tell you this, you know, I, 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 boy, I try to put on this tough front. I'm a man, and I'm tough, you know, and I don't want to cry, and I don't want to whine. You know, I don't want you to know whatever, you know, problem it is I'm struggling with. I don't want you to know. I don't want to be vulnerable in my life. And sometimes I struggle with the same thing in my prayer life. I don't want to be vulnerable in my prayer life. But listen, we're not telling Yahweh something he doesn't know. We're not surprising him. 
You know, he knows. As a matter of fact, my Bible says he knows what we stand in need of even before we ask. That should be a great comforting thought for us. Does that make sense? It certainly should be. So, so even when we think the answer is no, we need to pray, and we need to pray specifically. Thirdly, let me say this to you, when you think the answer is no, not only pray specifically, but we need to pray passionately. We need to pray passionately. Verse 8 again. Concerning this thing, it says, I pleaded with Yahweh three times that it might depart from me. Pleaded. It's a pretty strong word. Three, at least these three times, for certain, I found were this same words used in the New Testament. And it's used in Matthew chapter 18, verse 29, where there's a servant who can't repay his master. Yeshua told that story in the terms of, of forgiveness. And he, there, was a, there was a servant who owed so much money, there was no way possible that he could have paid it. And it says that he pleaded with his master that he might forgive him that debt. See how strong a word that is? Secondly, in Mark, first chapter of Mark, verse 40 there was a man who was stricken with leprosy and he was there on the side of the road and Yahshua's coming by and, and this man yells out to Yahshua and, and uses this word. This, he pleaded with him that he would be healed. You're getting an idea of kind of what this word is? Thirdly, it's used, Jarius used the same word when his daughter was dying. Mark chapter 5, verse 23. Turn with me there briefly. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, that's Yeshua, he said he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Pray passionately. said the same word. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with Yahweh three times that it might depart from me. I wonder if you found yourself in either of these three situations. What if you owed a debt that you couldn't pay and there was a likelihood that you were going to be thrown in prison until you could pay it? How would you pay it, by the way, if you were in prison? How would you ask for that debt to be forgiven? I wonder if you had a, an illness, an illness unto death like leprosy, boy, a slow, painful death, I wonder if you were so desperate in that situation as to ask for healing, I wonder if it was a child of yours who was lying, dying, nobody could help except for maybe one, and you had an opportunity to go and ask them to do it. I wonder how would you ask or how would you pray I hope you'd ask, and I hope you'd pray passionately. You see, 
this should be the the I think the attitude of our heart when we pray. I think we should be so passionate about it, just like if we were in any one of these situations to be passionate about our prayer. Listen, you wouldn't hint around about it, would you? You wouldn't suggest, you wouldn't ask nicely. I mean, you would beg for these things to be removed from you. And so I say to you concerning your prayer life, and particularly when you think the answer is no, I say to you that you need to be praying passionately. Oh, for an assembly that would pray passionately for the needs of you in your life and for your family and for your co-workers. Listen, we need this kind of passion in our prayer life. You know, not just to ask, but I mean to beg. Pray passionately when the answer is no. Thirdly, fourthly, when the answer is no, not only pray passionately, but we need to pray persistently. We need to pray persistently concerning this thing. I pleaded with Yahweh three times. He says that it might depart from me three times. He says, by the way, he wouldn't have stopped, I I think, and knowing from reading the rest of Paul's writings, we know he was a man who was greatly devoted to prayer. This is obviously not meant to be a mathematical equation. It says three times you ask. It's meant to, to convey the message of praying persistently. He would have kept asking, except Yahweh had already given him an answer. Yahshua said that we're to, you know, to seek and knock and to keep seeking and knocking. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean, a, you know, a, a casual glance you know, around or a rap on the door, it means that we should be uh, uh, persistent in those things. Luke 18, turn with me there. What an interesting scripture this is. Luke 18. Verse 1, it says, And then he spoke a parable to them that men... Always ought to pray and to not lose heart. Did you get that? The context of this? That men always ought to pray and not lose heart, to be persistent in prayer. And he said there was a certain, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear Yahweh, nor did he regard man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me and from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I don't fear Yahweh nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, because she's pestering me, that's what my granny would say, because this woman keeps pestering me, I'll avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. See, I think that was probably as close to a joke as Yeshua ever told. Um... But the principle remains. The principle is this. Again, this is not be, I'm not applying this to your prayer life. Yeshua applied this to your prayer life. I'm just telling you what it says. And, and, and in a nutshell, this is what it says. It says that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Is that not true? 
This woman kept asking, and this judge finally said, because you keep on asking, I'm going to give you what you want. Listen, we need to be people that pray and that pray persistently. I thought of Abram praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, well, what if there's 50 men there? Would you destroy it? He said, no, I wouldn't destroy it if there's 50. And he said, well, what if there's 40? He kept asking, what if there's 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? You see, he kept asking, persistently asking, over and over and over again. So many examples of that in the Bible that we see. We've been studying the book of Hosea. And if you read the book of Hosea, you read through any of the prophets, this is what I'm reminded of. I'm reminded of these people. Some of these people, by the way, whose ministry scanned 30, 40, 50 years, you know, long periods of time. And these were people who continually prayed for the nation. These were people who continually prayed for people to repent and turn back to Yahweh. These were people who over and over and over prostrated themselves before Yahweh, you know, uh, begging, pleading passionately, for the people that they were ministering to. And by the way, for many of them, they never saw uh, any fruit of that ministry. But they were persistent in their prayers over and over and over. And so I say that to say this to you this morning. Don't quit until you get an answer. Don't quit. I'm thankful today for... Uh, mamas and daddies and grandmas and granddaddies that pray for their kids and for their grandkids. I'm thankful for a wife who prayed for me over and over and she didn't quit. I'm thankful for pastors and elders that pray for the flock that Yahweh's given to them to attend to. Some of you sitting here this morning may never know the number of prayers that have been sent up on your behalf. Persistently pray for you and probably still do. And I'm thankful for that. And, and I say to say that to say this to you, even when the answer seems to be no, we need to be persistent in our prayer life. We need to keep praying. Pray until something happens. And that's what we should be doing. Here's the problem with that. The problem with that is this. The problem is sometimes we get tired in the wait. Don't we? Sometimes we get tired in the wait and we pour out our, our hearts passionately and we keep on and, 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 and it seems like there's this silence and you wonder where you're always at and wonder why he's not answering and what's going on. And, and I, I say sometimes you have to wait because sometimes we ask him for an oak tree and he sends an acorn and we wonder why. Because you're not ready for what he's got in store for you yet. Think of Abram and Sarah. Already basically dead and gone. That's what the book of Hebrews says. Yahweh promised them a child. Do you remember that? In their old age. And they both thought this is the craziest thing we've ever heard. Because there's no way that this is going to happen. And yet that was the promise that he make, made. And I believe with all my heart that they prayed and they prayed and they continued to pray. It took 25 years 
for their prayer to be answered, but it was answered, you see. Your timing is not the timing that Yahweh works in. He's not concerned about your schedule. And sometimes we just have to keep going. We just have to keep pushing. Okay? Be persistent when the answer is no. Also listen to this when the answer is no. We need to take time to listen. We need to take time to listen. Prayer is not a one-way conversation. was it meant to be, and this is huge. Verse 9, And he said to me, after making this passionate plea to Yahweh to remove this thorn in the flesh, Paul says, And Yahweh said to me, here was the answer that he was looking for. Sometimes we get so caught up in our prayer life that, you know, it's all me, me, me. This is what I want. Here's my list. And I pull it out and I read it off and I check it off and, you know, and amen and we go to bed, go to sleep and we forget. It's meant to be a two-way conversation. We need to take the time to listen to what Yahweh would say to us. I have a friend from back in South Carolina, and he's retired now, but after the World Trade Centers fell in 9-11, he lived there. Uh, he actually lived in New Jersey, and he commuted back and forth. for about the. F- he worked there on the side of the World Trade Centers for about two years. And this is... And he's, when I asked him about that, and by the way, he didn't want to talk a lot about that, but when I asked him about it, there was something that I still think of that he said to me. He said, one of the things that I'll never forget in all that time, he said, I'll never forget all of the noise that there was. He said, it was incredible, the noise, because this area was so big and there was so much equipment working in there. And he said, you know, you had sirens going off and, you know, all these people talking and dozers and, and excavators and all this stuff running and jackhammers going, plus just the sound of the city. He said it was deafening in there at any time. And he said it was very uh, 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 unnerving, all of the noise. And he said there was never a time when it was quiet. And I thought about that, and, and I also thought about this, that, Sometime after, while they were still searching for survivors, at least there at the World Trade Centers, they brought out a special special listening device that they used there. And it was a device that was tuned to the frequency of a human voice. And this listening device they used so they could listen among the rubble and stuff to hear if there was someone underneath there who were calling out. By the way, there were people who were saved by that technology, you know. And and even amongst all of the background noise and all the things that are going on, the equipment and the sirens and all of the distraction that was happening outside of that, they had a means of tuning in to the frequency of a human voice. That's what we need. Except we need to be tuned in to Yahweh's voice. We need to find a way to, to eliminate the chaos and the distraction and the noise and all of those things that are happening outside and all of those things that are happening in our circumstances. And, and we need to tune in to His voice. 
you know, despite the pain and the suffering and whatever it is, we need to listen for his voice. Particularly when we think the answer is no. That's when we need to be listening the most. Be still and know that he is indeed Yahweh. Don't panic. Listen for his voice when the answer is no. And, and again, many uh, examples that you'll find of that throughout, uh, throughout the Bible. Listen to his voice. Take time to listen when he answers no. When he answers no, we need to do this. We need to trust in Yahweh's provision. Trust in his provision. At least three things I think that Yahweh will always provide for us, no matter what the situation is that we find ourselves in. At least three things that he always provides. The first one is this. The first thing that he always, absolutely always provides is grace. Is grace. Verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul wanted what we often want. He wanted for his burden to be gone. He didn't want it to be lessened. You know, he wanted it to be removed. But what he got instead was something greater and something better. Because this was the message of Yahweh to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient. In other words, he said this. He said... I'm not going to remove this thing. I'm not going to do for you what you want me to do. But he said, instead, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to give you grace to endure it. I'm going to give you grace to endure it. We want it removed. You know, whatever uh, 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 storm it is that's raging in our life, we want it gone. And, and by the way, sometimes they are removed, but even if they're not, we have a great promise here, and the promise is that Yahweh's grace would be sufficient for us for whatever problem, whatever issue, whatever thing is going on in my life. And by the way, I don't know if there's a single verse in the Bible that I have spoken over more families or prayed over more families, particularly families who are struggling, who are hurting, who have, you know, mom and daddy's dying in the hospital or have died. You know, this is one of those verses that to me just seems like, boy, I don't know how you could live without this verse. Because we're all going to face those times. We're all going to have those times of struggle in our life. And listen, we need to know that Yahweh's not necessarily going to remove every obstacle that comes up in your life or mine. He's not going to always do that. And on those times when he don't, listen, you need to know and you need to understand this, that what he will do for you instead is often greater because it's building character in us. What he does for us on those times, instead of removing what hurts so much from your life, he gives you the grace to endure that thing. Does that make sense to anybody in this place? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. And by the way, you don't have to ask for his grace to be sufficient for you. It already is. That's what this says. My grace is sufficient for you. 
I'll tell you a great truth, or I think it's a great truth anyway, this morning concerning this thing. This is what I believe. I believe that it is by Yahweh's will and at his pleasure that he will often remove the obstacles from our life. By his will and at his pleasure that he will often remove the obstacles in our life. But, but listen, but it is by his character and by his promise that he will always give us grace to endure. Even those obstacles that remain. Does that make sense? By his will and by his pleasure that he often removes obstacles in our life, but it's by his character and by his promise that he always gives us grace to endure even those obstacles that remain. We talked about that very thing in our Bible study this morning. Sister Beth talked about that. We were talking about Yahweh's character, and she was, t- and, and she was talking about not only his character, but his promises. His promises are part of his character. He can't change And what he says he will do, he will do. So it's by his character and by his promise that he always gives us grace to endure, even those obstacles which remain. David was a teenage shepherd boy with a nine-foot giant in front of him. You remember that story? Yahweh removed the obstacle that was in his way. We all know that. Imagine what a great day that must have been for this young teenage boy. Fast forward some years later, King David now has an infant son sick unto death there in the palace, a son who he's prayed for, fasted for, that he might be healed, and he wasn't. He died. And while this prayer that David answered wasn't answered in the way that he wanted, what King David did receive was grace to endure. Was grace to endure. That's a promise that we have as well. You see, so often what we want is we want Yahweh to work in our situations. In our family situation, we want him to work. In our job situation, in our finances, with our health, with our troubles, with our trials, with our hardships, with our struggles, in our marriage, whatever it is, we want Yahweh to do a work in what's going on around us. But I think really what he wants to do and what he's trying to do, instead of working in our circumstances and working on what's around us, what he wants to do is he wants to work inside of us. Not around us. He wants to work inside of us. He he wants to work in my life and he wants to work in your life so that we can come to understand that regardless of the circumstance that you find yourself in today, regardless of what it is that you find yourself in today. His grace is always sufficient to see you through that thing. His grace is sufficient because he's sufficient. And you can go on. You can go on. He always provides grace. Yahweh also always provides strength. 
always provides strength. My grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Our weakness sets the stage for Yahweh's strength. It has from the very beginning, and it always will. Praise him for his grace, but don't forget about his strength. Found this this is the first Chronicles twenty nine eleven. I love this verse. It says, Yours, O Yahweh, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. You get all that? Yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Yahweh, and you are exalted as head above all. It talks about his strength and it talks about his power. It talks about his greatness and his victory and his majesty and all of those things. He is indeed all of those things. His strength Don't forget about his strength, even when the answer is no. You know, sometimes our circumstances seem so difficult. Those things do not diminish Yahweh's strength, nor do they diminish his power, his glory, his victory, his majesty, or any of those things. Sometimes we don't even realize his might and his power and glory and majesty majesty and all that until we first realize our own weakness, our own inability, and our own need. If it's something that we can accomplish on our own, then we might fail to see his mighty hand at work on our behalf. I thought of Moses. When Yahweh comes to him to to ask Pharaoh to let his people go and I think it's no wonder that he came up with every excuse he could think of why Yahweh had the wrong man you remember here's what I bet I bet he he had probably had some idea of just how difficult it was going to be number one how difficult it was going to be to get Pharaoh to let him go and then I bet he thought of those millions of people you know, thick-headed people, boy, that just wanted, everybody wanted their way. I bet he didn't want any part of that. I bet he thought about how hard it was going to be to feed them and find water for them and all those things. Yahweh, you got the wrong man. You see, the truth was that he was, Moses was so inadequate and he was so ill-prepared. You know, there was no way humanly possible for Moses to do this thing that Yahweh wanted him to do. What a great time for Yahweh just to show up and show out, right? See, in his weakness, Yahweh was going to be seen to be strong because what Moses couldn't do, we know that Yahweh did. And the Bible says, for by strength of hand, Yahweh brought him up out of Egypt. Listen, no one else can get the glory or the majesty or the victory for that because no one else could have done that. But Yahweh, no one could have persuaded Pharaoh to let him go. No one could have, could have brought him out miraculously. No one else could have parted the Red Sea. No one could have fed him and gave him water and made clothes that didn't wear out and shoes that didn't wear. Nobody could have done those things. Moses couldn't have done it. Uh, neither could anyone else. Only Yahweh could have done those things. It was in Moses' weakness that Yahweh was made strong or seen to be strong. I thought about Elijah there on Mount Carmel. Remember he told them, boys, keep pouring the water on, boys. Keep pouring it on. 
That's not enough. It needs to be wetter than that. This is why, because he wanted the people to see and to know and to understand that if this thing actually caught on fire, there wasn't enough gasoline to get that thing burning. But if it actually caught on fire, it wasn't going to be because of him. It was going to be because of Yahweh, you see. His strength was seen in Elijah's weakness. I thought of Lazarus dead in the ground for four days, stinking and dead. Hey, listen, if he came out of that tomb, there wasn't but one reason for it. People needed to see that. I thought of Yeshua in his last day, nailed to the stake, beaten and mocked. I see him in my mind, you know, as a bloody mess there on that stake, people making fun of him. I think about him taking his last breath and then he's dead. Dead. I think of Mary and the disciples and all those followers. They watched probably with disbelief as they took his body down and they sealed it in the tomb. Their hearts are breaking and you know they'd all be mourning and weeping and crying. They were at their lowest point. Hopeless, helpless, totally without strength, and in their weakness, Yahweh shows his strength. In that point of weakness, when no one else could, Yahweh comes through. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's praying for the church there at Ephesus, and he praised, among other things, he praised this thing, verse 19 and 20. He said, I pray that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Messiah when he raised him from the dead. He said, I pray that you would know this power in your life. So I cannot tell you this morning, in your struggle or in your moment of doubt or in your situation that's beyond your control and your weakness, even if you think the answer is no, Yahweh is strong. And when you don't have the strength to go on, he does. Always provides for us grace. He always provides for us strength. And lastly, I'll say this. He always provides even when we think the answer is no. He always provides for us opportunity. Always provides for us opportunity. Look at that 10th verse there in 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, having just made these great revelations about his grace was sufficient and his strength, which is made perfect in our weakness. Verse 10, he says, Therefore, thinking about all of that, he said, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity. I take pleasure in infirmity and in reproach and needs and persecution and distress. For Messiah's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Thought about, and this is what that verse says to me. It says to me that, that yeah, I think Yahweh always gives us an opportunity, even when he answers us no. He always gives us an opportunity to serve him. To serve him. And you have to serve where you are. You have to serve where you are. Paul here says that he's willing to take whatever comes. It doesn't matter. 
Whatever you want to send, it doesn't matter. Even when I answer to his prayers, no, for Messiah's sake, he said, I'm willing to endure infirmity if that's what you want to send. In that, he's going to praise him. He said, I'm willing uh, to take reproach if that's what you want to send. In that, I'm going to praise you. He said, I'm willing to, you know, to, to be in need if that's what you want. In that, I'm going to praise you. I'm willing to be persecuted. In that, he says, I'm going to praise you. I'm willing to be in distress. In that, he said, I'm still going to praise you. No matter what comes through this, he says, Yahweh, I'm still going to praise you because I know that, that your strength is indeed my weakness. And, and anything that you want to send my way, he said, I'm more than willing to endure that thing because he knows that if Yahweh doesn't remove it from his life, that he's already said, I know that he's going to give me grace to endure it. Boy, there's a lesson that we need to learn in this because it is easy for us to serve and easy for us to praise when everything's going perfect. But what about on those days when we're struggling? Listen, on those days, we have plenty of opportunity as well. In whatever situation that you may find yourself in, you can praise him. If that's what it takes for Yahweh's grace and strength to be revealed in me, he says, then I'll embrace any opportunity that you send. And oh, that we might have that attitude today when the answer is no. I'm sure just a couple things before I finish this morning. Just concerning this verse and opportunity and our distress and persecution and problem and trouble to serve Yahweh. There's a lady in her mid, she'd be in her mid-70s by now. Joni Erickson Tata is her name. Many of you know her, have heard of her. A lot of you women probably certainly know who she is. She was very popular in the 80s and the 90s. She was a motivational speaker and, and um, Christian speaker. When she was 18 years old, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay and broke her neck, and she was paralyzed from her neck down. What a tragedy. Can you imagine? 18 years old and her whole life ahead of her, dives in a seemingly innocent thing, dives in the water and breaks her neck, and her whole life now would seem to be gone, wouldn't it, at 18? Boy, what a life she could have had we might say. And can I tell you, by the way, I bet you there was plenty of prayers that went up on her behalf that she'd be healed. And yet Yahweh's answer was no. Paralyzed from my head down. Two years of rehabilitation that she kind of goes through. Uh, uh, and she learned to paint with her mouth. Can you imagine? Hold a paintbrush in her mouth and she learned to paint and she... And so she became well known for a painter. As a painter, she painted beautiful pictures. She began to write. She wrote more than 20 books, inspirational books. She toured all over the world talking to people. And now at mid-70s, she's a three-time cancer survivor. And I say all that to say this to you. I don't know how difficult you think your situation might be, but you have no excuse not to serve Yahweh. Because if she could do it, you certainly can as well. And you have no excuse not to be a good witness 
for Yahweh. Two quotes that I want to give you that she shared that I hope will be a blessing to you this morning as we wrap up this message called When the Answer is No. And here they are. The first one is this. The first one, she said, I want to stay in the habit of glancing at my problems and gazing at Yahweh. Did you get that? I want to be in the habit of glancing at my little problems, whatever they are, and gazing at Yahweh. She knew where her focus needed to be. And then this is a big one. She said, it is a glorious thing to know that your heavenly Father makes no mistakes in directing or permitting that thing which crosses the path of your life. It is his glory to conceal such a matter. It is our glory to trust him in it, no matter what. It's a glorious thing to know that your heavenly Father makes no mistake in directing or permitting that thing which crosses the path of your life. It's his glory to conceal such a matter, and it's our glory to trust him in it, no matter what. Even when the answer is no, we need to trust him in that. You can trust him in the matters of your life, even when the answer is no. Yahweh bless you today.